pastors Eric and Iris Butler of Christian International Church in uh, Lincoln Park, New Jersey, are also a part of Reconciliation Ministries people that we've known for quite some time. They're regional directors in our network of churches. Rebecca and I moved in 2010 from Manor House in Portland, Oregon, a church there, sent out from there and under that, their oversight. And then also the oversight of our network of churches, Ministers Fellowship International. And Eric Butler is a, a pivotal a person in our network of churches who functions with an apostolic gift. That's where there are churches and elders and pastors who look to that person for oversight, for insight, for advice, and for the word of God in interpretation, in, an a- in application. And we look to Eric Butler in an apostolic role. But we also look to Eric Butler, who is has been an evangelist, a teacher, a pastor, but also a prophet. And he's somebody that I would categorize as a proven prophet who through the decades has ministered in the prophetic in many different settings with the accountability of other pastors proving that his gift is true and proving that what he says is from God. The reason I'm explaining all of this to you is today he's going to come and he's going to bring a word from God with a teaching from scripture with a prophetic ministry to it and he's going to close it out with a prophetic word from God for us for our church. Uh, He's a close personal friend. Will you please welcome him as he comes? Pastor Eric Butler. Good morning, Pastor Ben. Good morning, Pastor Ben and family, church family there in Baltimore, Maryland. Big time Baltimore, Maryland. Well, Ben, it is an honor and a privilege to share with you and your congregation today uh, the love of Jesus. It's funny because I was just in Portland last weekend and I ministered to your mom and your dad. And what wonderful parents you've had. And you are definitely a chip off the old block, old man of God. And I'd just like to share with you today the wonderful congregation that you are and commend you, first of all, for 10 years. You know, 10 is the number for it called DECA, and 10 means kingdom. So you've reached a milestone of becoming a powerful kingdom element and a kingdom church, an ecclesia that's called out to do kingdom business right there in the midst of a tough atmosphere. I believe God sent you there to do a great work, and I believe God's going to keep you there. In fact, I'll be prophesying a little bit uh, to you before this uh, message is over. But I wanted to get to the message today. And the Bible says in First Chronicles chapter 12 and verse 32, it says that the children of Issachar understood the times and seasons and what Israel ought to do. And there are generations with a specific time, a specific calling, and a specific purpose. Every generation is given a trial and a task and an assignment. In the 1700s, <clears throat> it was set to a people uh, from to set people free from tyranny from the British crown of Britain and to create a new nation. In the 1800s, it was to establish that that nation and free people uh, would that, that have been bound for over 200 years. And that was slavery, by the way. And right there in Baltimore, there, right there where you are, a lot of slavery took place. But I wanted to say this to you. In the early 1900s, it was to keep that nation free and to build industry that would provide an economy 
that would touch the world and to stop any nation from taking over the world. That was dealing with, of course, World War II. In the mid to late 1900s, the assignment was to stop Adolf Hitler and the German war machine from global dominance and build and create things that would change the world. Planes, cars, cities, medicine, factories, production houses for movies, film, television, communication devices, uh, roads, buildings, and housings for all people to build a colony of nations that would be an alliance against apathy. That's what the assignment was in the mid-1900s. In the 1960s and 70s, it was to stop the Russian Revolution and to stop nuclear war from taking place, to finally free a people from poverty, racial subjugation, and segregation by giving them the right to vote, work, build, buy, learn, and be educated. That was the civil rights movement, purposely to raise up leaders that would shake up the world and to stop an unjust war called Vietnam that was killing thousands of young men needlessly. This would be the same generation that would like to see a man walk on the moon. In the 1970s and 80s, the challenge was to reestablish a vision for a nation to rebuild its government and leadership structure. It was to save a failing economy from blowing up, to temper the rise of greed and the cavalier living in the 80s that things went wild. Greed was good, they said. And to keep up with the technological changes that stream from the entire entrepreneur and computer industry. Out of this came greed, entrepreneurialism, selfishness, and an every-man-for-himself mentality. Swift changes in music and technology had our heads spinning and our feet marching to the beat of another drummer. During the 2000s, a generation of people were faced with war on our own soil from terrorists and two wars and nations and the rise of a people who did not know Joseph. They didn't favor the United States, nor did they care about who we were. And we went to war to defend our own land, freedom, and to protect the Lady Liberty. It's this generation that's in its darkest hour still was able to hold things together and hopefully stay on course. 911 almost took America out. It took us out mentally because it was the first time we had been bombed by any outside source. Anything that had happened on this soil in hundreds of years. And so it began to take a whole, whole new mentality to be built. And it's this generation that has held it together for the last 20 years. And now we see the rise of a great generation that will right the wrongs of hundreds of years of injustice, corruption, price gouging, processing foods and meats, and even dinner to save a generation that knows less about their nation than any other generation in history, to save a generation that is more disconnected from its people and its government than any other generation in history. This generation has been handed the assignment from heaven to bring peace out of chaos, justice out of injustice, knowledge out of confusion, healing out of sickness, hope out of despair, love out of hatred, understanding and community out of prejudice, change out of stagnation, life out of death, and out of division, unity, e pluris unum. That means out of many, one. You see, every generation has its purpose, its moment, its shift, its time, its calling. And when that moment comes, we must be in it at that point. We must embrace it and not run away from it. Every generation has to be fully awakened to its purpose and to be willing to accept and to do it and be willing to die for it. This is the call now. What are you willing to die for in your 10th year, in your kingdom year? The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. And this is why we rise to the challenge. As you are celebrating this 10th year anniversary, you will rise to the challenge. 
just like many did in your particular area down there in the Baltimore Harbor when Francis Scott Key sang or wrote the Star Spangled Banner. They could see these things and these people rose to the challenge to do great things. It is your call and your time to rise to your challenge. You see, every generation has to be fully awakened to its purpose and to accept this call, as I said before. Jesus said when it was his time, what should I say? Father, save me from this hour? But for this hour, I've come into the world in John 12, 27. He said, what am I supposed to say? Save me from this hour? He said, but for this hour, I was born to come into the world at this particular time. The Bible says very clearly that the law and the prophets were until John. But from there forth, the kingdom of God is preached. God has called you in your 10th year to be a kingdom church, a church, an ecclesia, not only of called out ones, but people that are doing the work of the ministry of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit, feeding the, feeding the hungry, ministering to the lost, providing a shelter for the homeless and blessing people, getting out there in the streets and doing an outstanding job. And from what I hear in my spirit, you've already done a fantastic job. Give yourselves a hand right now in this moment. Amen. Jesus said, could you not watch for one hour with me? Because it's not a long period of time when you talk about generations. In Matthew 26, 40, he was praying. He said, could you not watch with me for just one hour? One hour. One hour. It's a, it's a time frame. It's a, it's a season. It's a moment in history. And God has called you for this moment in history. In 1 John 3, 8, in the uh, Passion Translation, it says, But the one who indulges in a, in a sinful life is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. Okay? Then it says, The reason the Son of God was revealed to uh, was, was to undo and destroy the works of the devil. You're called to undo and destroy the works of the devil. In 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8, it says, He that commits sin is of the devil, for the devil sins from the beginning. For this purpose was the Son of God manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. This generation, in Luke 7, 31, Jesus continued to say, How could I describe the people of this generation? Well, We've got Generation Z, Generation X, Generation this, Generation that. We've got phraseology of everything's epic, everything's big. It used to be dope. It used to be bad. It used to be word up. It used to be all these things. It used to be solid, all going back. How do you describe this generation? A generation that is technologically astute. A generation that lives by machines more than it lives by relationships. A generation that is hungry and desperate for relationships. Pure, bona fide relationships with their parents, with their loved ones, with people, with the, to develop community. How would we describe this generation? Jesus said these words in Mark 8, 12. He says, and with a deep sigh from his spirit, he said, what drives this generation to clamor for a sign? Why does this generation want a sign? He said, listen to the truth. There will absolutely be no sign given to this generation. No sign given to this generation. In Mark, Matthew eleven sixteen, he said, don't you understand? How could I describe the people of this generation? You're like children playing games in the playground, yelling at their playmates. It's not a seriousness. It's not an awareness. It's not this mindset of sobriety that they had to have in World War II when they couldn't do anything, when they were, the threat of Hitler was pending over them. It's not like in the 1960s when the Cuban Missile Crisis was in, in the backside of the, uh, of the Florida coast and Kennedy was afraid 
to know that any minute nuclear bombs would hit Florida and strike New York. It's not like that right now. So people have they let their guard down until recently. As you can see in the capital city, all that is going on. You can see with the past election, the confusion has come. How can I describe this generation? This is the generation that we are called to minister to. In Luke 17, 25, he said, but before this takes place, the son of man must pass through great suffering rejection from this generation. This is what he was saying about his generation. Jesus said he was going to suffer for his generation. It says in Luke eleven fifty one, from the blood of Abel, who was killed by his brother, to the blood of Zechariah, who was murdered in the middle of the temple court. Yes, the blood guilt of all your ancestors will be laid before you in this generation. All of these things are coming down the hill. And God is saying, I'm building everything now for a climactic change. There's a big crescendo about to happen. We're on the crest of either destruction or the mightiest revival that has ever hit planet Earth. I'd like to say prophetically, it's the mightiest revival that ever hit planet Earth, and you're going to be a part of it. You need to get, you need to praise God for a minute right now. You're getting ready to be set up to be a part of the greatest move of God in history. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, the judgment for all these things will fall upon this generation. See, there's scriptures that speak about people in understanding generations. Proverbs 30, 11 says, there's a generation rising that curses their fathers and speaks evil of their mothers. Could that be said about this generation? In Proverbs 30, verse 12, it says, there's a generation rising that considers themselves to be pure in their own eyes. Yet they're morally filthy, unwashed, and unclean. Proverbs 30, 13 says, There's a generation rising that is so filled with pride that they think they're superior and to look down on others. Proverbs 30, verse 14 says, There's a generation rising that uses their words like swords to cut and to slash those who are different. They would devour the poor, the needy, and the afflicted from off the face of the earth. A generation. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 5 says this, there has never been a generation that has been given the detailed understanding of the glorious and divine mystery until now. He kept it a secret until this generation. God has been holding things in his hands until this generation. Until this generation. Jesus said that John preached and he preached well until now. He said, but now the kingdom of God is preached. You're a kingdom church. Now, let me repeat that again. You're a church that's powerful in the cradle of this nation, right there in the, near the capital city on the backdrop of the capital city. You're there with the, with the rough places and the violence and, and even the marches that have gone on. You're there with a culture that is hungry for change. You're there in a place where there's great needs and all of what you've been doing. And God is going to equip you and reveal the mysteries of the kingdom to you because his grace and his favor coming upon you in this next season that you're going to experience. God is revealing it only now, in the scripture says, to his sacred apostles and prophets by the Holy Spirit. It says, therefore, do not be unwise in Ephesians 3, 5, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Hebrews eleven two says it this way. The testimony of faith is what previous generations were commended for. When you see older saints or mature saints that have been around, it's the testimony of faith. Is what they're what they're commended for. You've got to commend them. You've got to show honor to them. They've been through the battles. They've been through the wars. Psalm seventy-eight seven says, "In this way, every generation will have a living faith 
and in the laws of life and will never forget the faithful ways of God. For 10 years, you've developed a testimony and your testimony before God is true. Your testimony before God is pure. Your testimony before God is right. And you need to relish in the good of the testimony and even the rough times and relish in the rough times and declare boldly that God has been with you the whole ride and he's never going to leave you or forsake you. Can you say amen? Can I get an amen for that? Amen. In Psalm 102, it says in verse 18, write all this down for the coming generation. We have a responsibility to record what God uses us to do. So the recreated people will read it and praise the Lord. There's kids that are going to come up behind you. There's teenagers in the ranks. Write it down. Tell the stories of the testimony. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that when Jacob died, he died leaning on the top of his staff. In Hebrews chapter 11. And that means he died leaning on the top of his staff. Because what that means is in that staff, his history was recorded. And all the acts of what God had done. And he was leaning on the top of the staff. Saying, I might have gone through this with my brother Esau. I might have been rejected by my father. I might have been tricked by Laban. I might have had this happen and that happen. But in the end, I'm going to end up on top. I believe right now. You've been through a whole lot of things in 10 years, but you're leaning on the top of your staff right now. Can you say amen today? In Acts chapter 13, verse 36, this cannot be a reference to David when uh, the Bible says about recording. For after David passionately served God's desires for his generation, he died. He was buried with his ancestors and his body experienced decay. In Psalm 78, 3, it says, we've heard. True, true stories from our fathers about the rich inheritance. We will continue to tell our children and not hide from them from the rising generation. The great marvels of our God, his miracles and all of his power that have brought us thus far. You've got to tell somebody what God has done for you in these 10 years. You've got to testify and tell people that God is good. How God healed your son and your daughter and your father and your mother and your grandparents. How God provided security for you and your jobs and Places to live, how God did all these wonderful things, how God baptized you with the Holy Spirit, how God used you to share the faith with a, a, a co-worker. You've got to tell somebody about what God has done. Why? Because 1 Peter 2 9 says, You are a chosen generation. That's what I wanted to get to. You're a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation and a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him that has called you out of darkness. Hallelujah. And called you into his marvelous light. It says in the Passion Translation, but you are God's chosen treasure. That's who you are. You're God's chosen treasure. I'll say it again. You're God's chosen treasure. Priests who are kings, a spiritual nation set apart as God's devoted ones. He called you out of darkness to experience his marvelous light. And now he claims you as his very own. He did this so you would broadcast his glorious wonders throughout the world. That's why he's done what he's done for you in these last 10 years. You know, I'm just going to call you this today. I believe that you're achievers and you need to celebrate the goodness of God on your life. You know, John Maxwell says successful and unsuccessful people do not vary greatly in their abilities. They vary in their desire to reach their potential. And you reach a first level zenith at 10 years because you're desiring to reach your potential. And God's calling you an achiever today. Another man named Ron Osborne said, unless you try to do something beyond what you've already mastered, you will never grow. 
you will never grow. And I believe just staying in this for 10 years. Do you know the average church that started by people only lasts three years statistically? And the average pastor only lasts seven years? They say if you get past seven years, you can make it. You're three years past seven years, and you're going to make it. I've celebrated this year 30 years at our church. And I didn't believe it when we started it, but I, God has been so good and so amazing. He has blown my mind for 30 precious years. And we're going to keep telling his goodness and his story to every place and everyone that we come in contact with because the Lord is faithful and God is good. Can you say amen? Helen Keller said this way, life is either a daring adventure or nothing. This lady was blind and she couldn't see, couldn't hear, but she understood something in her spirit. She said, life is either a daring adventure or nothing at all. You are riding on the adventure of your lives there at your wonderful place of ministry, there at the church. Pastor Ben, you're in the daring parts of adventure of your life. You left Portland, Oregon, and you left all the comforts of a, of a, of a, of a atmosphere that was laid back and, and uh, 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 middle class and even upper middle class in some places, but you left the comfort of home. You left your mom and dad. You left everything there, and God summons you to come to the East Coast, and you obeyed him. You and your wife obeyed the Lord, and you're on this daring adventure. And when we first started out, people said, why did he go there? Why did he go all the way across the country? Because God needed you to come to the East Coast for a generation that needed to hear what you have to say and to say to you that you are going to be used over and over and over again. This is a daring adventure. For you and you're succeeding very well in it by the grace and goodness of God. You know, God is looking for fruit, he says. And Jesus said in John 15 that the Lord is looking for fruit. Amen. You see, we're called to impact the world. Matthew 22:14 says, Many are called, but few are chosen. Few are chosen. Few are called to go beyond calling, because there's a lot of people that are called, okay, to commissioning. Commissioning is doing the work. You're called to do the work, and you've been doing that work very, very well. And I'm just so thankful that God is using you in an unbelievable way. Let me say this today. <clears throat> For the note takers, there's five basic characteristics of achievers. Number one, they have a clear vision. I know, Pastor, you're ministering and releasing a clear vision. They have a clear vision of their purpose. Number two, they stay focused on their purpose. You've stayed focused, that's why you've lasted. Number three, they have wisdom to gather resources for training for their purpose. Number four, they do not associate with problem-oriented people. You got to let them go sometimes. People complaining they don't want to be on board. Bye. Sayonara. See you later. I'm out. <laughs> You have to let them go because they'll drain you. Number five, they refuse to let opposition and obstacles stop them. They stay on course regardless of setbacks and disappointments. And there's many along the road of a local church and a ministry and even in family. There's setbacks and there's disappointments. There's the rocky roads, the ups and downs of life. There's the abasing and there's the abounding in life. But they stay on the course and they don't let these things Destroy them. I commend you for weathering all the storms that you had to weather. Only time will tell what you've gone through thus far. And God is shining 
his face towards you today, commending you that you have lasted for 10 years. You see, achievers define their purpose. Like it said about Jesus, it said, for this purpose was the Son of God manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Factor number two, they must stay focused on their purpose. The Bible says Jesus set his face like a flint towards Jerusalem. It says in Hebrews 12, too, that for the joy of the Lord that was set before him, he endured the cross, despised his shame, and has sat down on the right hand of the majesty of God. They have to stay focused. Number three, they must have wisdom to gather resources for training. The Bible says in Proverbs 30, verse 25, the ants gather meat in the summer. The ants gather meat in the summer. Factor number four, they surrounded themselves with solution-oriented people, not problem-oriented people. They get solution-oriented people around them. They get rid of people that talk about problems and not solutions. They let them go. Nothing wrong with that. Amen? Hebrews eleven six says, without faith, it is impossible to please him. General Grant said when he was working for Lincoln in the Civil War, hold your course until you win the war. Hold your course until you win the war. In factor five, it says they refuse to let obstacles and opposition stop them. Bible says in Hebrews 12, verse one and verse two, that Jesus endured the cross. You've endured the cross. You've endured the battles. You've endured everything. And God is proud of you. God is happy with you. God is thankful. God is cheering you on. All of heaven is cheering you on today as you celebrate this 10th year. I'm cheering you on. Our church here in New Jersey, Christian International Church, is cheering you on, Ben. We remember when you came and helped us with the eternity play. Oh, now, probably about 15 years ago or maybe even longer. Don't even remember so long. You didn't have that beard you have now. You look much younger. <laughs> but you look good. I'm not saying, <laughs> amen, but you look good. You weren't even married when you came then. Amen. And then you came back and you, had, you were married and had a baby. And we bless you and we love you. And we never forgot the impartation of your love to us, your kindness and how you worked with us and how we worked together to bring souls into the kingdom of God. So you got fruit here with us, brother. And so I say to you in the name of Jesus, be blessed. I salute you, O mighty man of God and wonderful church family that is there. For the Lord will say to you, there will be many more roads and miles that you will go with me. And I declare this day that my anointing is going to increase and my favor is going to increase upon you and upon my church. And it's going to increase and increase and increase, says the Lord. And I'm going to give you favor with property and lands. I'm going to give you favor with buildings. I'm going to give you favor with locations and different spots because it will not just be in one location. Your ministry will function in many, in many different locations. And you'll go into the dark dens of destruction and bring out the dangerous and they'll become dangerous for me, says the Lord. And you're going to be a shining light in the midst of a city that is clouded with darkness and pain. And you're going to bring healing to that city, says the Lord, for I've anointed you. I've called you, I've commissioned you to actually bring healing and restoration to that place. And my anointing is going to increase in you. And I'm going to make your house a house of all nations. And there will be every race under the sun and every ethnic group from under the sun that will be there, says the Lord. And they're going to pray. It will be also a house of prayer for all nations. And prayer will be a key and significant factor in your church, says the Spirit of God. And there's going to be prayer that will shake the foundations. And 
even the systems that have been entrenched in the soil of that city, says the Lord. And you're going to break the strongholds and they're going to be thousands of people set free and even in the outreach ministries that you have i'm going to give you favor with community officials i'm going to give you favor says the lord with those that have grants and scholarships and even additions and, and food uh, donations and uh, uh distribution houses for clothing and food and all types of things and you're going to build for me son you're going to build for me even places of shelter for the homeless and you'll build shelters of uh, places of shelter for women that have been broken and and beaten back and for the abused and the left over and the left out says the Lord you're going to do it all because I'm going to do it with you keep your heart open to me and watch what I do for I'm the provider I am El Sadai. I am Jehovah Jireh I'm the mighty double-breasted God that can do anything says the Lord trust with me with all your heart lean not to your own understanding acknowledge me in all your ways and watch me direct your path I will say to you, you are a mighty man and woman of God. You're blessed by me. You're anointed by me. You're prospering, and I'm going to continue to prosper you in the natural areas. I even see an academic vein coming from your ministry, biblical academics, and even social, uh, social academics, teaching and training, teaching and training, a training center, teaching and training will be raised up also. So I, the Lord, want to promise you all the good things that I have in store for you, and I come to bless you this day, my son and my daughter. This is your 10th year, the year of kingdom power, says the Lord. God bless you. We celebrate you today in the nombre de Jesus, in the name of Jesus, the King and the Messiah. Rejoice, church. Rejoice in Jesus' name. God bless you. Amen. Uh, thank you, Pastor Eric, so very much for that word.